everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Welcome along to LOI Central. It is Season 7, Episode uh, 14. And uh, on today's show, we're going to hear from uh, John Daly after the Pat Shamrock Rovers game. What a game that was. Uh, five goals. Absolute thriller of game. Dan and I were both at it. And obviously, John Daly in the interim position. He wants to be a little bit more than interim at St. Pat's. And uh, was left to reflect on um, a pretty mad game. Dan was also at Talca Park, busy Dan this week, uh, turn up Talca Park yesterday, we heard a little bit from Damien Duff as well, you'll see it all over the headlines uh, in the papers today, um, calling the League of Ireland uh, out again, despite the fact that, um, you know, he's kind of, a, I guess he's a reluctant ambassador, but um, as Dan says, at the bottom of the piece, he's become its most effective, I think I'd agree with that. He's not calling the League of Ireland out, to be clear. Calling, calling out, people, yeah, he's calling out calling the League of Ireland. Disrespecting the League of Ireland. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so that was uh, that was a compelling stuff. Really, I was reluctantly missed that. I was away yesterday. We're also going to hear from Aon O'Riordan, um, who's going to chime in in relation to what Duff said and that issue about facilities and so on. And obviously, um, Dan's been fighting this um, battle uh, as as along with other people about just looking at some of the tax money and so on and so forth. As ever, we're in association with uh, Future Ticketing. We're in association with Collar and Cuff. Um, had the delight of meeting one of the recent winners of the Colin Cuff mailbag Ryan Kilban Dan and Tala and uh, you're yeah. chatting away to him during the game like lovely young kid you basically gave Ryan a podcast yourself you you like like you, you did a podcast for a site on the forum the two of you were just chatting away during the entire game it was just like chat 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 I didn't read your report I don't know if it was any good you were just talking to Ryan I didn't read my report that's a bit un- upsetting well I, I, just, I, just, I, just, I knew it probably wouldn't be that good because you didn't you were chatting to Ryan for most of the game that's actually I'm actually quite offended by that <laughs> I left the ground at Jesus Christ I arrived at like half six left at must have been ten past eleven to get up for a cycle at like five in the morning um, who, made, who made you do the cycle at five in the morning um, the, 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 the the good part of my brain saying you're better off getting up so I, I, I left home the whole way oh to get up in the morning I was like poor Johnny's going on a stable tour he's going to do some work yeah <laughs> Like you're doing a cycle yourself for your own benefits, your own choice. You're an unbelievable hypocrite. Like, I mean, your 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 Wednesday game at one o'clock. If you miss this, it's like the end of the world. Right? Never, just never, because you've one game a week, I need to get this in. It's so important in my life. <laughs> but like, I never, but I never complain about having to go and do it. You, 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 you but you're like you actually uh, at times in the past that there's no way we're doing the podcast at that time. I absolutely need to get my foot going in. I want. So you're being a hypocrite. It's important. Our other uh, sponsor. Saying, like, uh, we got the talent at half six and he left. It, whatever you know that's just a standard noise it is except like tell us actually just down the road for me but I, I don't drive so um, yeah which is again <laughs> your own decision then <laughs> that's going to lift the Sligo yesterday your own decision uh, yeah ra- ra- a couple of people in Sligo Rovers fans which is nice to see as well um, I did say to John Russell like with the Rainy Sligo Rovers lads you know having a night out at the races getting a little cheeky in for you and he's like now they'll be keeping the head down results haven't been great of late so Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and of course, the madness of the league. They lose to Dundalk. They then lose to Shells. But Dundalk didn't get kind of hammered in Derry. Our other sponsor we haven't even mentioned yet um, was obviously Rascal's Brewery in Inchicore putting up some great stuff on Insta. Um, get out to uh, the brewery for some of their eclectic pizza and I have to say, Dan, with... Yeah, and we had Cotsy Casey, actually one of our previous winners, uh, mailbag question this week just to say he really enjoyed the tour. Um, Cotsy normally asked me, have I read the Roddy Collins book yet? The answer, Cotsy, is no. Um, but he said the message to say he really enjoyed the Rascals tour. It was highly recommended. And then he said something about uh, uh, F Rovers. <laughs> I'm not sure if he sent this 
after we finished the tour, that was just like a parting, uh, parting, parting glass. Um, the happy competition. Sp- speaking of parting glass, actually, it is a particularly warm uh, morning this morning, and some of the some of the beers that Rascal pu- Rascals have put up on their social, they look cold, they look crisp. Um, the only ground, of course, I was at this weekend, Dan, the league round, was Daily Mount for um, John Francis. That was on a Monday, though. Oh, so okay. yeah, so went to went to a gig in Daily Mount. Um, it was it was great fun actually, and uh, yeah, it was uh, the, the 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 local festival, so that was good fun. And uh, Galway United won again. Was, so. uh, was 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 Barry doing the taking a penalty during the? Oh, it didn't have any of the a proper like daily mount experience. Get out of the web, Simon. He didn't uh, come out. He didn't come out at a gig. Like there wasn't a Dublin bus bringing the microphone <laughs> up to him by chance. That, yeah. would, that would have been like the idea. So I see the the Dublin bus. We don't know if Dublin bus is is suspended again or is off to. Off the grace, yeah. What's what is the crack the the Dublin bus, Simone? I I thought like I I in terms of refereeing just on the on the game the other night, Damien McGrath I thought had had been really good in the game and it was very like controversy free. And then you have this like vital vital moment where um, effectively he calls for a penalty, but Jack Byrne lashes the ball in. And what's the what's the percentage of pen of successful penalties? Like 75, 80 I'm maybe. Not sure, yeah. Good chance of missing it anyway. But I have to say, look, we we had a few comments. I'm not I didn't actually include in the mailbag. I just can't handle more referee in discussions. <laughs> um but there was some praise for Damien McGrath's performance overall. I actually at first misread Damien McGrath's body language. I thought he was waving an advantage. It was just the position he took he he had blown before um he had blown before the uh the the Jack Barnes struck it so uh, I mean you can't really complain. It, it was always like instantaneous and Jack, but I I fell from at the time. But when you think of the referee in that instance, he has to make a snap call. It had been a mad few minutes as well where Pats had gotten level, Rovers nearly uh, equalised, um, and then in that particular moment, like Gravosti absolutely cleans Johnny Kenny out of it. He has to think: is that a red card or a yellow card? Then he makes a call. That's a free. Sorry, that's a penalty. And then Jack lashed the ball in the net, and uh, it was. Uh, I don't know what you made of the game. It was like six thousand two hundred at it. It wasn't like this. It wasn't as kind of clean flowing as some of the games we've seen on TV recently. But it was just hard to take your eyes off. Yeah, it. it was good. I'm actually. I don't know if you saw that one in Spain at the weekend, where the ref blew for half time just as a guy was lining up a shot. Oh no. for a club in relegation trouble. So I mean, we have our problems, but um, the you know refereeing problems exist. Everywhere, so uh, it, it puts the rowers one in the shade. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, the Pats were good for their opening half hour or so. I think teams, I see Bradley spoke about this afterwards, it was quite interesting that teams are pressing them a lot more. He thinks probably because of maybe some of their tough day, tough games in Europe. Do you think the teams are maybe looking at what European teams did against them effectively and are trying mm. to activate it? And particularly in Tala, you see like teams have posed them problems there. Like the last three games in Tala. Um, at the Bowes game, the Sligo Rovers game, and this one, um, and they could easily have um, ended up with you know, you know, dropping points in all of them, but they ended up winning all of them, which is obviously speaks to their um, winning mentality. But they hasn't been they haven't been blowing teams away, and um, so teams are like probably learning against Rovers as much as the defensive record has been okay lately. Um, I think that's maybe a little bit deceptive. I think people feel they can hurt them and create chances against them. Um, but naturally, if you press too hard and you're not effective with it, they'll they'll kill you. Um, well, if you've um, read my reports, just obviously you hadn't, but um, uh, I was talking about experience versus youthful exuberance. Like, so you had Ronan Finn and Richie Towell combining brilliantly for the second goal. Um, that's the experience, right? I think the Rovers had 
five players, outfield players over 30. Um, and then you had the youthful St. Pat's, who you look at, um, you know, the, the first goal, Dan, and that concession, like one of the most highly touted players in the league, I think Curtis just has to get rid of the ball there. And I thought that was like a killer because um, they should have gone in 1-0 at half time. Jamie Lennon was outstanding and that press created two big chances for Pats, one of which they scored from and compelling game, I thought. Yeah, no, and it's true, like Sam Curtis is a very a player of high potential, but he probably does make mistakes. And even for the second goal, I think John Daly was looking at his role and um, getting a bit distracted and, and not following Towles' run. And it's the third goal, um, very critical of Jay, Jay McGrath. I think let's listen to your chat with John Daly now, actually, because he does talk about that. Um, he doesn't name Jay McGrath, in which, this, is, which in is important in this clip. But he does, and he did in the subsequent uh, stuff with the papers. He named Jay several times, um, and so very clear in terms of his issue with the mistakes that they're making uh, defensively. So here's your chat with John Daly. Yeah, John, you're not long in the job, but you won't have many games that'll kind of sway your motion. I suppose like that one. No, I think well, the Cork one, the first one was a bit similar in terms of obviously going ahead, going behind, and then coming back to win it and. Obviously tonight ahead um, for majority, um, well going ahead in the first half and then um, obviously conceding right before half time is, is disappointing. The lads come in a little bit deflated, but um, obviously tr tried to speak to them about the positives from the first half and, and the shape and um, and then obviously the goal behind, um, you know, a goal that I felt we could have defended a little bit better, um, and then. Obviously, coming back to two-two with five minutes to go, you, you know there's going to be maybe a chance either way in the game. And um, unfortunately for us, again, we've not defended the ball up to to Kenny. Um, we've allowed him to roll us, which you know it's a, it's a mistake. It's a common mistake that our centre backs are making uh, consistently. Which you know it's it's one we're working on, but the penny needs to drop eventually. And um, you can't you can't just let strikers roll you in them situations and. Again, a strike on goal, Dino, Dino um, tries to push it to safety and Tom obviously comes back in for the rebound and unfortunately um, takes the player down and obviously 3-2 for the penalty. You must be caught between a rock and a hard place in the sense that I want to have my philosophy here but also I'm an interim manager at the moment and I want us to get results. Yes and no in, in, in the sense that yes, I'm un I understand that results will help, help me put my hand up for the job um, but secondly no um, I told the lads I want to play the way I want to play and um, I think the fact that I'm around I've been around the group previously I think they understand what I'm looking for um, it's not too dissimilar it's just slight little tweaks here and there in terms of positioning the players um, in, in how I want to do things so it's not major surgery in terms of changing how I want to play um, and I think to be fair they've responded we obviously came here with a game plan in terms of you know our defensive shape was slightly different um, first half they created nothing until the goal really which itself was probably avoidable yeah they had kind of set plays I felt that you know we defended well mainly but they have got aggressive centre backs and they have got a big squad and you know that's sometimes government comes into your thinking when you're picking your team and in terms of like you know people to pick up a set plays because it's a massive part of the game now where you know um, a lot of goals are scored from set plays so um, yeah obviously we had I think it was Lenny picking up Grace which is a mismatch but you know we, we try and um, get the players to get tight to them that they, they don't get free headers and, and try and leave the lads that are in the zones uh, the zonal zones should I say to go and win the header and I think that was a moment where Gaffney actually blocked Sam Court so he'd won a lot of headers pre uh, previously to that and 
they walked the block on Sam, which, you know, give him credit, it worked for him. And then obviously Grace then is aggressive and wins his header and hits the target and scores. We mentioned Lennon outstanding first half. Chris Forrester seems to be having a great run as well. Have have some players kind of, um, I guess, stepped up to the plate since you got the job? I think they were doing, I think Forrester was doing that previously. I think we obviously had a, a little dip in form um, against uh, Rovers, Derry and then Sligo. So we had a little dip there. Um so, so you're yeah. scoring goals anyway. Yeah, we're scoring goals. Um, but yeah, we just we just need to keep a few more clean sheets to to help us. And um, you know, when you come here and you score two goals, you expect to get something out of the game. And we're disappointed that it's 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 similar mistakes that are costing us. Um, again, that we've we're working on consistently on the training pitch with the players and talking to them all the, all the time about it. And um, as I said, it's just it's just now that you need to. Depending on his drop, we have got players coming back. Obviously, Tom Gravosti's come back tonight and um, came on at half time the other day. So, you know, it's if people keep making the same mistakes, then they'll quickly find themselves out of the team. Just, I was struck by your words um, at the weekend how much this job appeals to you, how much you wanted, how much it's meant because you, your family, it's a difficult situation with your family as well. And what appeals to you in terms of Pats as a, as a job going forward? I think when I look at the players, um, the fan base, you know, it's a uh, people behind the scenes and the staff everything around that I think it's it's a fantastic club um, in that sense and you know European football around the corner it's an opportunity to to pit your wits in that um, environment so no it's a, it's a great job I can understand they'll obviously have uh, numerous people applying for the job and I'm sure the chairman's obviously walking away um, you know look, going through his due dil- diligence on, on the ones that have put themselves in and I think I'd like to think that he's been given time and he understands and sees that I'm more than capable of doing the job. Yeah, is it, what's it like coaching in the League of Ireland? Is, these people you're taking on week to week, Bradley, Duff, um, you know, Higgins, all these guys, young managers as well, and uh, it must be intriguing. Yeah, of course. They've all got their own ways of playing and, um, you know, you have to do your homework. I'm sure every every manager, every coach is the same in terms of the, the effort and, and the work that they put into it. You know, it's not just a case of rocking up on a Friday night or a Monday night and playing a game you have to do your your work from you know obviously when this one now is finished now we're fully focused on Shelbourne probably already started a little bit of work on it um, but you obviously want to focus on this game so so yeah so there's a lot of good a lot of good coaches a lot of good managers a lot of good players um, good league isn't it it's, it's a fantastic league you just look tonight Monday night with the fans that have come out to support it and um, it's a very good league I think the standard is decent Um so no, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed being back, and obviously would like that to continue. I just, just finally, you look quite cool on the sideline. Uh, look back to when you conceded the first goal because that was a goal that was probably avoidable. Are you one of these kind of cool managers in the sideline, not running and jumping about the place? No, I had my moments. <laughs> um, obviously disappointed after the game there, so it probably wasn't as cool in the changing room there with the way we conceded the third goal. But um, you know, sometimes you have to. You obviously have to get your point across in different ways, and I think players players all learn differently. So um, it's you have to you have to work out which which players you can kind of maybe armor on the shoulder or have a pop at. And um, but no, I'm 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 very much mixed in how I approach things. Just one other thing is it is it weird because Tim brought you over and then Tim is obviously gone that you have to as you spoke with us last week, but you just got to get on with it. Yeah, of course. Um, like I think when I spoke to Tim about taking the assistant's job, I obviously made it known to him that that is something I want to do going down the line. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't want it to be at his detriment. 
Um, I thought it would be a bit of success here and then maybe move on somewhere else to do it. So, um, obviously the club have made a call on that and um, they've obviously asked me to step in. I'm obviously an employee of the football club, so I'll obviously do what, what's needed until until told otherwise. Thanks very much. No problem, thank you. Yeah, that was John Diddy. Thanks to John for talking. Um, yeah, I think I think like John Diddy. I mean, just I mean, again, social media is dangerous. But he did make comments as well in the in the press about um, wanting a bit of clarity on his position. And um, I know he didn't necessarily go down that road with him, other than him speaking about how he wants the job, which is clear. But um, doesn't seem there's a whole amount, a lot of love for the idea of him taking over amongst the fan base. It would appear. Really? Um, no, it doesn't appear to be. I would have got a lot of negative feedback to his comments. I think it's just like comments in relation to well, just his 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 statement that mm-hmm. um, he needs to know what's happening. You know, I need a bit of clarity. People are saying, "Well, you've only had three games. Like, you know, relax." But uh, he's got a family in Scotland. I understand. I understand what he wants to know where he stands and um, bit of limbo. I suppose that's there. Um, but he's going to make his case as well. Um, he said he hadn't been interviewed yet, um, but it does seem like some Pats fans would prefer a clean break in the sense of um, you know, someone who's very much associated with, with, with Tim, who was there before. It feels like there's a desire for a fresh face. I mean, like, you know, we had a comment in the mailbag, we'll do the mailbag now, but we're on Pats at the moment, so we may as well deal with it. You know, like, you know, I think Jake had a comment in just talking about like how Pats just needs someone to change the, the culture and the mentality of the club. Uh, they haven't beaten Rovers in Tallis since 2016 um, and he was just making the point that Stephen O'Donnell probably was in the process of doing that and what they need is uh, like you know that type of figure but but who is that person like I, I think the problem with the two jobs at the moment the St Pat's and the Cork situation that there's no outstanding out of work candidate there that you're thinking you know yes it's, they're a natural fit for this role like often you will have jobs come up and there's someone it was out of work that it's just yes that's them this is this is their time Tim Clancy is ironically probably still going to be that, that person like Keith Long was that person until Waterford came up and there's probably no one in that position at the moment and that's just screaming out yes you know this is the person so there's going to have to be an element for gamble whatever they, they go for you know and, and I don't know what type of profile a candidate they go for Um, you know do, do they inherit the staff that's there do they have the Adam Matthews thing? Do they have, you know, Sean O'Connor? Do they have even Keith John Daly as a number two? Like, you know, or do you need someone who's bringing in their own staff? It's mid-season. It's it's complicated, you know. Um, so I think there's just a, the Pats one. I can understand why John Daly's probably wondering what's happening there, but it, it's, it's, you know, I suppose the only way he can take control of a situation is to, to win games. I mean, ironically enough, they did win in Cork and Drada and probably weren't that impressive. They were, maybe more impressive actually in the first half on Monday than they were in the two games that they won. The first half, um, Rovers had no chances really right up until the end when they got that goal and I thought it was great shape. Their pressing had had um, real meaning to it and they're bringing in young players, young Mila even, obviously coming off the bench, their youngest ever player against Strada as well. Um, mailbag time, Dan. Let's go to the Everyone's mailbag. Everyone's crazy about a sharp-dressed mailbag, am I right? These electronic letters have style for miles, so let's dig in. Um, yeah, and you've collated uh, well this week, Dan. You're ahead of ahead of everything. I mean, it's just that effervescence ahead of your game at one o'clock, obviously. Um, <laughs> I wasn't unbelievably hypocritical at times. I said, I just feel like you know, listen, you know, I have a lot of time to you. 
As young kid man, by the way, yeah, going back to that, he he was a good good player for Crumlin. He was telling me, I think he he was a proper good player. Like, and you're, you're dealing with lads here that like, um, yeah, just I I was out in the pitch down after the game, and I felt like so old. Rovers, uh, Rovers clear just lashed the ball into the stand for some reason after the game. And I was like, I couldn't kick the ball ten yards at the moment. I saw. Well, that. I know I, I played <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, I think you you you've, you've, you've mentally uh, you've mentally given up on your football uh, exploits. You you you're injured in your head. I think that's no, I am. Problem. That's no. that's totally untrue. By the way, I might be no, sorry. I'm I might suggesting you're injured in your head in terms of of having issues. Uh, I'm not being flippant about that. I'm suggesting that. No, I know what you mean. You you, you walk out into the pitch and you're like, oh, I'm injured. I'm beaten. I didn't right. say I walk actually, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, what's in the mail bag? Yeah, you, you were very proud last time, players. It was, it was sad to see. Um, Jesus Christ! Yeah. I, I feel like a minion. <laughs> what, what's a really crap but, currency? But, but right apparently, now? you're a very good cyclist. Um, once you get out of bed, so um, I hear you're very talented. Tricky downhill. Downhill, downhill, fast. It's all downhill from here. Uphill. Um, oh, I think you're probably okay uphill as well. Um, that again, that's totally, totally untrue. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm not good at. <laughs> how did you? I mean, how many years do you know me at this stage, then? <laughs> Episode seven, seven, fourteen of season five seven. years actually. I think twenty-five. I know you for longer than um, I didn't. I don't know you more than half my life. Yeah. Jesus. There's a sovereign well, thought. I think of a lot of the big issues in life that we've uh, sorted out. I was only looking the other day, I completely forgot that our first racehorse back, back in 2008, that the name of the syndicate was Viper Estates. Because obviously it was, oh, a, yeah. it was a horse called Viper Estates, but of course... And we met the we Viper would, We would have frequented the Viper Room on occasion. Any of you out there remember the Viper Room? I don't, and I was there many actually times. a documentary on, on Sky, uh, or on Channel 4, about the Viper Room in LA, in Hollywood, which is where River Phoenix died outside it, and it was a big hot spot for uh, celebrities in the early 90s. Um, the Viper Room itself in Dublin would have been a hot spot for celebrities in the mid-2000s. With the uh, uh, League of Ireland patrons as well, you see? Yeah, one or two, yeah. The Lane Bar scene is... is Moribund in Dublin now, but um, nothing moribund about the mailbag. Yeah, the Dublin Viper Room did always be a fella playing Crowded House and the piano <laughs> at like three in the morning. So we have no recollection of our meeting, but look at us now anyway. Yeah, we, we had a row about something. I, yeah. I can't remember what it was. Probably about my inability to play football. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, okay, we had a couple of comments about Pats, which we've sort of dealt with now. Ronan Brown, I'm going to fly through a couple. Does, the mailbag this week, there's no one team. It's a sort of a, a mishmash of stuff. Ronan Brennan, should there be a playoff for the European spot like in the North? Um, you see Tiftonville at the time we're playing I would think no to be honest um, I think uh, I think it's so important that your finishing position should determine I know you have this thing of uh, you know fourth place and, and, and the cup and it's often wrapped up together but um, I agree with in, you in the, in the north they've, they've only started to take European football seriously in recent years but to me uh, I, I would hate it. I think a team finishing third and not getting Europe would be a joke and also just the cup final will be just complicated and lads going away at the end of the season. I'm not a fan, particularly with the November end to the season. Maybe it's different than the summer. Should Virgin or RTE be looking at changing the nights of the live games? TJ Carroll says, um, is this a broadcaster decision or RTE against... So are the FBI moving against games, uh, against moving games to say a Thursday night to give the broadcasters a real chance of getting big numbers? No, TJ, FBI have tried to do this and they've had issues with broadcasters not wanting to do it. Um, now, I don't know if Virgin Media are going to be open to it. They are doing a bank holiday game 
coming up and I would think they might have more flexibility in their schedules to do Thursday games because they do a lot of football on Thursday nights whereas with RTE I believe their Thursday night entertainment schedule is sacrosanct we'll hear obviously um, Virgin's uh, we'll hear and see Virgin's second game on Friday that that Pat Shells game is just so beautifully poised now and it'll be interesting to reflect on their second offering because you know um, the second album can be um, more difficult than the first and see how they're how it's betting in because it's a good uh, addition to the landscape yeah Sean Callagher Book of Cows I like that yeah. name um, uh, and he's the Kerry fan big win for Kerry momentous again you get lost in the Monday games they got their win I was um, I wasn't at a game last Friday so I did the LOI TV flicking around it's actually you can't the red do, zone you can't really do it you have to if you can't if you cast the game to your TV you can have another one on your laptop that's how you can watch two games how do you do that actually um so you cast the game to your tv and then you go back to loi tv on your browser and you're logged in and just open another game in another window oh okay that's okay, the only way you, you. that's the only way you could do two games at once if you try to do it on your phone you, you they won't let you log in yeah, log in. yeah but anyway i was flicking between games so i had I watched it with the dog cork which is an amazing game really again we, we always focus on monday but that was a crazy finish to that game. Keen Coleman. We have a nothing boring about Keen Coleman. Yeah. Um, and, but but Kerry's win is momentous and the response, the reaction. Like, I know Bernie Dinky goal as well to win it. Yeah, although I think for people, there's a replay that suggested there was across the line. Okay. But, but the, uh, the, the, the actual love for the Kerry thing for a team bought with a division, like their social engagement was higher on Friday night than Shamrock Rovers winning to go top of the table. You know, like it's, this thing, I really just hope it keeps going for him. But Sean's complaint was, welcome welcome to the jungle, Sean. What do you think of the bias in the commentary on LOI TV? It can be charming in some cases, but the Athlone lads of the weekend were insufferable and all but abused the officials over an ultimately correct decision for Kerry's third goal. Once the Athlone coverage is exceptional in terms of the footage and the camera. Like a lot of the other First Division games, as I said, like a bald man walks by and picks a lot is gone. Um, but Athlone did her own thing. It's actually very high quality with replays and stuff. I just think, yes, I've had it before. I, I've got the wrath of the, the Sligo Rovers fans for complaining about references to Shams. I think it needs to be more professional. Um, but I think um, in, 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 some, in some ways, the lower down you go, which they're definitely not being paid for, I would think there, um, you have to, yeah, you can't be over the top, right? And I think some of you can't be over the top. But there's, there's probably a balance between the two. Maybe I'm actually holding the Premier Division to a higher standard. And maybe it should be exactly the same in the first. It should be straight down the line. But often, in, in some cases, they're dealing with you know inadequate camera angles and stuff from the commentators. I mean, I mean, see the UCD one as well, missing the Shamrock Rovers goal last week. That was a bit unfortunate. I think I think it's hilarious that we're in a situation where we're kind of giving out about these things when like we've fallen on all these riches in terms of content. You Being know? able to see oh, that game, like, like that, that's the thing yeah. for me that I can now see all the Sligo Rovers games on Saturday nights whereas a couple of years ago it's either text updates whoever's there tweeting or live radio and even just going back two minutes from the live to see the goal again like it's Ah, so it's really great and uh, yeah like even at the Rovers game in the other night we're kind of looking at we want to see high, we want to see replays straight away and we can on LOI TV oh like who hit that shot who is that penalty yeah no it's it's a different game uh, Andy Mack is Dan going too soft in his old age but harsh but He's far too tolerable. not too soft. He's far too tolerable to JW's rambling this season. I mean, you think I'm not tolerable, but people out there probably think that you 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 think I'm a bad climber on the bike. Like this is literally the only thing I'm good at on the bike. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I maybe I just think a good downhill because you recently came downhill very fast and nearly killed yourself. Uh, yeah. But that was actually suggest you were. So you open in the qu- open in that question, Andy Mac. Andy Mac. I mean, honestly, like. 
I don't know. You feel very put upon. You feel like I'm 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 not kind to you. I'm sorry. I don't agree with that, Andy. Back at all. Um, Dec- Declan McCormick, you're you're uh, one of your friends. Um, I think Andy could be right. Maybe we should get tougher on Johnny. Uh, Declan McCormick, um, is the Cork City job now viewed as a poison chalice by potential managers? And Kevin O'Hurley, he does the league want Cork City in the top division? Absurd decisions against City all year. Uh, I'm not sure about that, Kev. Um, and on that being a poison chalice. Uh, I said there's so many work managers that would want that Cork job. Um, yes, maybe if you're, you know, as I said, I, I could be wrong. No, I, you know, I, I think to be clear, like I don't think Tim Clancy would be going for that job. I, maybe that's just, just someone who's coming out of the game and you don't want to go straight back into it. Um, why did Colin Healy leave? Um, well, I don't 100% know why Colin Healy left. Um, you know, he, but it, we've spoken before, he's almost like a reluctant manager in some ways and um, you know, I think it's been alluded to, probably well known, like family life. He's had some personal reasons, issues to deal with in the last period of time. It's probably quite draining. Um, the, you know, the so I don't know. I'm, I'm sure Colin will give us his, his full reasons in due course. I'm not suggesting there's anything improper about him leaving or anything like that. Um, you listen to his interview after the Bowls game, and you're thinking that's someone who's probably not enjoying this. Um, um. But I think the whole Cork situation generally is a bit weird. And, um, you know, Dermot Usher has been doing interviews elsewhere. Um, so it's had a very strange comment. And um, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't really picked up on. Uh, saying that everybody was talking to Liam Buckley, like you almost have to explain to Liam Buckley why he didn't want him to be a manager. Now, it could just be like a throwaway comment. But to me, like, if you're hiring someone as your sporting director, like, you want to be very sure that, that that's the job that they want. Like, because making that like Pat Fennan is someone who's entirely comfortable. He does not want to doesn't be a manager anymore, manager. and as a result, he's very good in his current job because he's not like a threat. Or he's not someone who's going to come over and take over on a caretaker basis from someone if they don't work out. If it doesn't work out for Declan Devine, um, and he's he's very clearly defined role, and it's great that that role has been created for someone experienced like Liam Buckley. But you want to be sure that that's where they want to be, um, and maybe it is where he wants to be, and there's more job security in that, but. Down to your point, Declan, I think lots of people would still want that job because there's loads of outwork managers. But as I said, there's no obvious one that jumps out off the page that says, you know, yes, you know, this is this is the candidate for him. Mark Murphy will be a red card overturned. There's no way the King Tolman tackle is even a foul. So I think it probably, you know, it's not just about winning the ball, it's just excessive force. But it's an overreaction for the dog bench. So it's exactly what happened. It's, it's people talk about things evening up. The Robbie Benson one was right in front of the Rovers bench. Rovers bench went mad, red card. The Coleman one, just a few yards down the touchline in front of the Dundalk bench, red card. If those things happen the other way around, if Benson happens in front of the Dundalk bench and Coleman happens in front of the Cork bench, do they both turn out to be red cards? I'm not 100% convinced that's the case, but he's not going to win the appeal. You're not going to win an appeal when it's. Um, it's a split opinion. So um, I thought uh, P- the Pats and uh, Rovers benches carried themselves very, very well the other night for what it's worth. Yeah, um, Pat, Bob Mack, constantly hearing excuses from teams missing players. Nobody seems to mention shells or missing Barrett, Levy, Boyd, Kane, Malloy, Kyle Hakiki just returning from long spells. Uh, Sean O'Kelly had a re- reference to Jack Moyle being snapped up in the summer. Will he be? Um, and as a, we had a few other comments in those lines. It's true that like shells are doing whatever about the duff stuff and we end up talking about his 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 bigger picture comments and but he's doing a very good job as a manager like I mean and all this stuff about uh, 
the European prospects now. Leg it after uh, he'll be gone. I mean, that's. I mean, we we to be fair, I think on this part at the time we called it out. It was absolute nonsense that that would be the case. Can I just ask you as well? Shell's media team just put together a two minute montage of Jack Moylan's best bits this season. Um, a lot of them don't involve goals. Actually, he's. I think he's a he's a gifted footballer. Really. Yeah, and he's he's a more rounded player probably because mm. the Sean Boyd situation has forced him to be. And um, a lot of the Damien Duff stuff, like he was very good in his twenty minute press conference, and we, we'll play a small bit of it later on. Corrado Arreano comes in, but uh, the context for the agent stuff uh, was him talking about Jack Moylan. Now it's, this probably hasn't been reported in a lot of places, but he was basically saying there is interest in Moylan. Um, that clubs have been to watch Moylan uh, a couple of weeks ago. A club came to watch Moylan, but actually went away impressed with Hakiki um, and his interest in Gavin Malloy. But he is expecting interest in these players. They have no clauses, which is good. Um, but you know, he's, he was speaking about this. I know they're going to go eventually in some cases, but not just going to go to any old club. The thing with Damien Duffel. What does he think we are, cavemen over here? Yeah, I like that, that. Well, that was a reference to English clubs sending players on loan here, and then the sports scientists will ring up. And well, say, their GPS. Yeah, you've got you the GPS in the era, you know, and oh, yeah. uh, and they were like, yeah, it goes down your back, you know. I was like, yeah, we're being a little bit kind of, but that's well, I, I, the I, era. Well, I mean, that's obviously. I, not I, the ironically, I think English clubs have like a lot of respect for the League of Ireland, and a lot of English fans have more respect. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't think a lot of clubs do. I mean, like, yeah, maybe they don't. No, like, probably with good cause in some respects yeah. historically, but anyway. No, well, you come and look at the facilities, and, and this is the point. We'll talk about this issue mm. later on. Um, Tom Stafford not splitting the player the month award by league uh, although it's actually by the football writers really is God you really went off on one last week Dan per league and uh, first division well I think it's I was just really, like I, I really couldn't give a crap about who gets fair the month Ronan Cochran got it now you made a very good point in the newsletter like you can't compare what he's doing against part time sometimes amateur sides compared to say what Jack Byrne is doing but you know it's a player of the month award. Yeah, look really back, you look back at the end of the year and say who was the outstanding like, you, mm. tell, I want the player of the month to tell me the story of the season uh, Ronan Cotton doesn't tell me the story of the season at all. Like even since then, like Watford have lost to Galway. No disrespect. It's great He's what he, it's great what he did. Like has scored again. Yeah, and, and it's a great record. But like, would Graham Burke do that in the first in the first division? Yes. You know, would you name countless Premier Division strikers who would do that? And to me, like. Uh, you didn't vote as well. I, 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 not, I, I know. I mean, yeah. I am obviously a moron, but and a hypocrite, as you point out. But like, yeah. you know, we we I think sometimes here. We're so conscious of the first division being the graveyard league, and we get great grief probably for not covering it that much. Fair enough, but we actually there's a danger of overcompensating in the name of tokenism to the point where now we have a situation where there is no player of the month award for the top league in our country in a month of a year because we're we're we're, we're basically going to Waterford, uh, and there's also a lot of soccer members from Waterford probably voting for that, and uh, it just makes no sense. Okay, like you know we're like uh, can you imagine like uh, and the, the the outstanding player for England in the month of uh, April is Dwight Gale, you know someone because he scored a load of goals in the championship. It's like uh, never mind what De Bruyne did or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, or probably like if Leeds get relegated and Patrick Bamford goes down next year and scores like forty goals, he's the player of the month. Okay, doesn't happen. Back doesn't to the happen. back to the era. Um, John O'Connor, not a question as such, but the close of the ten team league is driving so many interesting matches. So many interesting. It's true the ten team league has worked. Anyone who is on about 14, 16 team league, and uh, they can they can. In the words of Duffer, they can go and do. And, and very briefly, UCD have improved to the extent that I wouldn't be absolutely. Ba- they're they're going to make a battle of it as as the season is going on. They're no. the gap on Cork, who just can't win. No, I got Jimmy six six, and I might give Jimmy the mailbag award because he did point out that uh, um, he did look down the UCD social media last week. I was watching it on LOI TV. Went on Twitter. UCD don't even seem to bother with it. 
lack of social media presence. You've talked, you've highlighted the lack of the website before as well. Um, stuff like that. It's just like the league is going to good places. Well, it should be fine. It, like should, be, it should be heavy fines for stuff. I think like UCD just doesn't have a place in the Premier Division. No, it, do, it doesn't. Um, um, and I'm sorry because football wise, they offer an outstanding service and an outstanding legacy. And obviously, if the team gets there in merit, they get there in merit. But like, I mean, the, it's just not good. Yeah, well, well, here, here's I, I agree, but also here's a solution to that: beat them in the playoffs if you come up well, that's it, no, no, or finish ahead of them and don't no, no. become a basket case. Absolutely, no, that's, um, that's very true. And they have been more stable and no rage issues. David Watts on a trial basis to start. Let's say low risk fishers as an extra revenue stream. Should we look at allowing beer in grounds? Well, beer is allowed in certain. It's grounds. been amazing in Thailand. Not, not only is there a you can actually bring your beer out and effectively watch the game outside with your beer, which is an anomaly in League of Ireland, and it's perfectly legal. I think um, it's been brilliant, and and. Now now people can go to the game much earlier, have a beer. Let's be honest, people like boozing. I'm not sure how legal that is. I mean, but actually having it out in the terraces. I mean, it, it's, it's it's not on the terraces. It's kind of like a they're just in a terrace. Just, well, they have the corner flag one in Cork as well. Yeah. But I, I think the idea is going to go to Germany and like buy a couple. I, I mean, I'm not against the concept, but you'll have an issue at a game that Live Line will blame on booze, you know, rather than that's, whatever. That's it's other societal issues. That's to Live Line. Well, like the lads arrived. You know, you know, the lads arriving at games coped up, as we well know, you know, and that's obviously um, a, a much, you know, can argue is a bigger societal issue, but we're not really going to go down that road. Although See, booze often leads to that, so, you know, there's... Uh, I, mean, yeah. I don't know, John. Yeah. It's a... Uh, well, booze is the yeah, gateway drug, Dan. You, yeah. you know, well, well, I, you, I, I, you I'm can only for, speculate. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be at that. Um, um, DCFC all the way. You know, Dan only drank, drank booze in the Viper room. He genuinely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw did I, actually. Yeah. There we go. No, it's hot. It was I'm a not, strange place. I'm like a politician. Have you ever used illegal drugs? Aeon will be in shortly, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> I have, but not a long, long time. DCFC all the way. Since clubs are looking at overseas markets for players, is it time to look overseas for managers? I mean, it's like you get a lot of applications overseas, but I mean, we, as you would point out, we've got a good young manager in the league. Um, so It's not a straightforward league to get to know, I think, straight away. if you're, And probably those managers as well will know bugger all about the League of Ireland. Um, I obviously did touch on that with John Daly, but I do think the coaching intricacies of like the way Rovers and Pats matched up the other night, week to week, is, is a fascinating subplot for me. I really do mean that. Yeah, and you know, Damien, Damien Duff is one of our managers. Yeah. It's, it, you know. yeah. Speaking of looking overseas, just finally, Evan Caban, uh, brother of Ryan, of course, uh, who sat next to the game. Is is Kieran Westwood possibly delaying the need for a good long term replacement? This is a story coming out on Monday. This is one of the reasons I was delayed as well because you were breaking another story. I was like, it's waiting for you in Tala. No, got uh, good, good story, Dan. Go to your work. Um, well, we don't know if this is actually going to happen, but it's, they've definitely been in discussions with Kieran Westwood. Um, it will be uh, interesting, but they, I don't think Rovers can identify a long term replacement for Manus. This is the issue. Some of the better young, I think Ed McGinty would have been it. Mm. went to England previously probably would have gone to Rovers so um, while they don't have one just look for the best available even if they're a little bit older but um, we're going to crack on here and we're going to bring in Aidan or Aidan but before we bring him in here's just a couple of minutes of Damien Duffy speaking yesterday and it's just a specific question I asked myself at the end around uh, facilities for young footballers in this country in the context of the under 17 Euros um, you know 18 out of 20 players in the League of Ireland a lot of them are going to stay here because of Brexit um, and Duff was talking generally we join a midstream here talking about how he would prefer training midstream of consciousness training grounds rather than well it's, you see you can portray it as a rant but actually no, no, it's very you know he's gone off on one again he's not really he's actually mm. just uh, making sense in my view um, he's talking about why he prefers training grounds over f- spending money on Talca Park for me first and foremost it's training rents and coaches and full time coaches and now is contact three sessions a week now with chance uh, 
So that's where I'd be standing my meetings on first before the steady teams. Can I just ask you, because it's topical, the, the over 17 starts tomorrow, like 18 or 20 of those lads are home here, okay, one or two might come to Europe or whatever. But it's what we do for the players in that age group now, 16, 17, 18, you were obviously involved at that level before coming into this job. Like, what do you make of the, the landscape there at the moment for the 17, 18-year-olds now who, who can't go away, like they would have all gone away before? Listen, they've done great. They're doing great quote fighting and, and uh, some great talent in the squad and brilliant coach and Kylie O'Brien has done a wonderful job. But yeah, I'm sure they'll go away. Did great. And I still think we can offer a better service here as coaches and academies. Are they getting the best? No, because like I said, these 17 year olds that are still here and um, they're training three times a week. It's not enough. So I think it got compared in an article this morning to Brian Kerr's emulate mug we did with Brian, but I'd have played more football than all them guys down. Where's the turn at the end? Cumber. I'd have played more football than all them at their age. Because um, society's changed now, I'm sick of feeling on about it, but like we would have spent all our hours on the road, 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 whereas now these lads need to be a structured train environment, which you don't get. Oh, we're naming the train five, six, seven, eight times a week, double sessions doesn't happen here and so yeah it's just contact errors contact errors it's plain and simple and uh yeah like i said uh, i'd love to get the minions that are talking about for the last couple of weeks and uh, so i could afford both but if it was one thing it would be a uh, a train around i went out with son to play where was it kill kill the other day it's probably better training ground than any league or anything not sure where they own it, I think they took obviously. Something's gone wrong along the line here. But I bet sound like the power from on here we go again and that's what I feel like when I see the headline tomorrow and the next day or here he fucking goes again. That's what I hate doing these things as well, those footies we did. But it's part of the football fact that's why though was valid to make that point. Yeah. There could be a criticism that it hasn't over the years. But yeah, like I'll fight. I don't think enough speak, people speak about it. Um, I know people go over years stuff for again, but I'll fight them like, and that's why I fight the aces. Now you're not having a, a, a get out and claws, etc. I'll fight anyone verbally, obviously, because I want to fight for it. It's my beat, man. I know all you guys are in an awful lot longer. There's wonderful men in the stands there, and women as well that are here 78 years. There's legends in this game. I'm just a blowy in 18 months, but I. I'd fight to the nail for this league now. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And uh, because I'm not gonna live in Ireland. So it's my league and I'm not fully certain and I'm give everything Philly. And then stop fight for Shelburne, it's fight for the two divisions and, and below. Um because it's someone needs to do it. So yeah, someone needs to speak up. Yeah, never uh, but compelling Damien Duff and uh, in that uh, guys as well I thought his message for Drada's Ben Curtis at the weekend was absolute class I don't think he's had any relationship with Shelburne uh, in the past Ben and um, pure class from Duffer might have been, might have been at Rovers when, when they yeah did. but even still it's, uh, it's a nice message beautiful message yeah I, I, just to apologise Ian O'Riordan for keeping you like is this a bit like you know trying to get into power you know just waiting waiting kind of for Gatto out there <laughs> but waiting for this podcast to keep going no no it's it's, it's all good it's important stuff you know well, it is. It is important, Dan, isn't it? I mean, we are at the height of importance. Football, football is important. <laughs> it is important. But I suppose, listen, the, the context for having you in, um, there's obviously a big discussion ongoing at the moment. 
around funding of football in the country. Uh, we heard Damien Duff there um, speak on this issue. Um, there's the under 17 euro starting today. Yeah, We have the stuff, you know, I've been covering the bet and tax situation on this week in, in recent weeks. You've actually asked a question about that in the doll. Um, not too many others have got involved in that politically. I think yourself and, and Catherine Murphy and maybe one or two others have, have been vocal. The rest not really. Look, it is. It feels like a very important time for the game here. But but clearly, we're probably trying to get a flavour of, okay, from your side of things, you're moving the corridors of, um, of government buildings most days. Um, and you get a sense of the, I suppose, the weather forecast there. What is the attitude towards football in your experience? Because we saw the year of Radcliffe's response to your question in the doll on that occasion was pretty dismissive. Um, but in general, what do you, what do you, well, how would you assess the lie of the land at the moment? Well, I think there's a historic problem that football has had for a hundred years. It's the foundation of the state. I mean, you can go back to 1932 when there was a, you know, a, a levy on all forms of, of entertainment and the uh, and the GA was exempt. And there's really interesting debates from, from that time where, you know, TDs were standing up saying, well, if soccer and rugby people would just come to Crow Park on an All-Ireland final day, they'd see their true heart of Ireland being revealed to them. And then you had the whole situation with the education system where soccer was not part of the education system. It was outside of it because the ban until the early 70s. And other codes have just been an awful lot better at lobbying for themselves and integrating themselves in the, in the political system. And there are politicians who will identify themselves as being GA people, if you like. So, so that's all, it's always at that disadvantage. And then when the eyes of Irish soccer people, let's be honest, have turned to England for the last 60 years when it comes to following a team, and then, you know, the trouble that the FAI had itself, it's just on a national level and often on a local level, politically unbackable. There's lots of political representatives that have said, now it depends on the area that they're from and depends on the club, but there are other codes which are easier to deal with. You have a GA club, one GA club per geographical area. It, you know, it has girls, boys, special needs elements of the, of the club as well. Uh, it has a lot of educated people at the top of the club, let's be honest about it. And then the same geographical location, you could have three or four soccer clubs and they don't have the same vision and sometimes they fall out with each other. And it's just politically more difficult to get any any success with your local soccer team, local soccer club on a local level. That isn't the exclusive experience, but it is just what people will say. And then on a national level, it's hard to get a sense that football really has a vision of what it wants to do or where it wants to go politically. People give out about the Horse and Greyhound Fund. I give out about the Horse and Greyhound Fund. But that was a successful piece of lobbying from the horse and greyhound industry that approached the Minister for Finance um, in the late 90s and said, here's a plan, here's what we want to achieve. The GA are similar. But football, um, when it comes uh, to facilities on a local level or a plan for the future, like I'm talking about the women's game at the moment and I'm interacting with the, with the department and I'm talking to the FAI about the potential for centralised contracts for 30 or so players who might stay here and not have to go to England. Abby Larkin turned 18 there last week. I'm quite sure her eyes are turned to England, not necessarily because that's where she wants to go, but because that's where she has to go to become a full-time professional footballer. There's 22 contracts in the Women's League of Ireland. I think about 18 of them were with Rovers. Shells are sort of fundamentally an amateur team. So we're sending these women to a World Cup in July 
and some of them are amateurs and some of them are playing for amateur teams and where is the vision from the FAI or from the state to make a value judgment such, such as they did with, with Horse and Greyhounds or with GEA or other codes to say we could have one of the best leagues in Europe here we're not going to compete with the, with the English league but we could have something really special but it's this we just let it slide we just let it drift so I suppose they, they, are, they are the problems football is not integrated in the education system there are GEA schools there are rugby schools there aren't really schools that identify themselves as soccer schools, all right? There's a social class element to that as well. Let's be honest about it. And then when it comes politically, it's just been hard to back them because how they have traditionally managed themselves, but also, and they're, and they're coming out of that, and there's a lot of change there, and it's positive, and it's easier. Um, but on a local level and a national level, from their disorganization and their lack of vision, your average politician goes... It's, it's easier to be associated with a different code. Yeah, and I, the, the demographics, I suppose, are a factor. And look, we all know, like, you know, there's, 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 there's the political game, right? I, I'm not being unkind, but I'm guessing if you were a TD in Carlo, you know, you would have a different, maybe you have a slightly different perspective on football than you would be in Dublin. I know you're a football fan, but clearly, mm. you know, in your constituency, football is a, is a big deal. Well, I'm, I'm a GA fan. Yeah, I, no, I know. I'm a big fan of, of what they do and how they operate. I mean, I taught in Sheriff Street, which is a soccer heartland. But the way that the GEA organise themselves, the way that they bring in the, uh, whatever cup they won into, into the into the school, the way that they bring tickets for the for the children to go and see uh, the Dubs play. Um, I approached the the president of GEA, so the competition in Sheriff Street is not really a, a, a GEA area. And the guy says to me, "The Sean cake, what do you need?" Mm. And I said, "I'd love a set of gear." And the next words I was met were, "What color?" Mm. And he arrived down the next week, bag of gear. And these girls now got to play in this beautiful gear. And we got to a final in primary school. Guess where it's played? Crow Park. Mm. Get to a soccer final, it's played in sports, think out in Sandry. Now, there's just that different mission about different codes, about promoting the game and understanding children and understanding the education system. And for teachers, they can often get frustrated that here's a code that understands children and children's development and community, and here's a code that kind of doesn't, and doesn't even believe that, it doesn't even believe in itself, you know? So so, so you're kind of battling against that, when you, but, the, the, but the, the counterbalance of that though is the power of the game. If you look at the senior international sides, I keep saying this, what they've achieved in terms of integration, players from disadvantaged backgrounds, players from international backgrounds, you've got Traveller women, Savannah McCarthy playing for the the women's team, this is powerful, powerful stuff. Like no other sport has done really. No other sport does that. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and you have a challenge in the country at the moment, but, you know, immigration and, uh, and asylum seekers and all the rest of it. They come into a room, they can't speak English. You produce a ball and all of a sudden you have a conversation. I mean, the, that's the power of the game. And we, we can break down barriers and social barriers and, and, inter- and, and ethnic barriers through this magnificent game. Why we have to just assume that these players have to go to England uh, to be professional and to love this and to love this game is uh, is a challenge. Like thirty percent, Stephen McGinnis from the PFAI says thirty percent of the League of Ireland players only have uh, a junior third as their as their qualification, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of different strands here, and lots of different things. I just I get frustrated. First of all, that politics hasn't backed football more, but also that 
football hasn't just been more backable. Do you yeah. feel that that's changed? Do you think there's a sea change now in terms of the approach? I think there's a change, yeah. I think there is a change, but I think some things have to change sort of structurally. So let's take sport. I mean, I listened to Damien Duff there talking about facilities on the ground, and he's right. And it's great to have voices like him, because I think he's somebody who believes in Irish football, right? Um, and he's got a lot of respect in the game. Sports capital grounds are classic, right? Is a pot of money that people apply for. It just happens that those more well-organized clubs who have maybe more educated people running them are going to do better applications and get more money. What I feel, and in fairness to Jack Chambers when he was uh, Minister for Sport, we had a good chat about this, that maybe we need a, a scenario where the local authorities will do an audit, audit of their local area and see what they actually need and talk to the various different sporting organizations and said, okay, maybe we do need this without or the other rather than depending on individual clubs. Mm. And the local authorities are the ones then that, uh, that apply and they get the block funding. And so you have, you, you, you sort that out because the state is interventionist, not waiting for applications, if you like. They're proactively going out into every local authority area and saying, right, you know something? Yeah, of course the guy club are saying this, and of course the rugby club are saying that, and of course the soccer club. But here's what we need. Here's what we need. We have stood, stood back from this, and we, and we are making our own audit uh, of the facilities that are needed. And we can't have a situation where every soccer club's looking for an 11 side, all weather, Astro, which is like, the bane of every politician's life. And of course, well, have you talked to the clubs around the corner about it? Oh, well, no, we have, well, I'm not sure. And do you have a girls team? Oh, well, uh, we had one a couple of years ago, but it didn't really work out. Lord God. And then the women's game, like Shane Ross had a good initiative having the football family all in Mansion House there a couple of years ago, right? Having a chat about the future of the game, about 300 people in the room, about four women. Yeah. Right? No, that, that, like, that's... Okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? No, that's obviously a, a massive problem. I think I think to come back to the point like the and this is a thing like horse racing in Ireland I think they're in the doll maybe by the time the show has gone out there's a, a new yeah. Deloitte report which will again blind people with figures you know about the, the economic return and there's no doubt horse racing delivers an economic return but within that there will be uh, there will be stuff about the, the rural jobs the economy the, the ripple effect of their sport and whatever you think about it and I think the recent FEI uh, the KHSK report has picked apart some of the detail and, and mm. said you really need to look beneath the you know look beneath the bonnet of these figures. Don't just trumpet them out without uh, qualification. But it's true that they have a coherent message there. It's sort of what we're talking about. Like football to me, and I think one of the problems that you've touched on it, it's so scattered in terms of its value. And it means different things in different yeah. parts of the country to different people and have they even pulled together how many jobs it delivers or, or, or you know the economic impact that it has but also that social benefit and really pull that all together into a into a coherent document or presentation because it feels like they've never really got that message no I mean of course raising our, let's, let's call it space babe. they went to a, a minister for finance who's basically there and said we would like you know here's a vision for our industry and in fairness to them I mean my, my criticism is that I suppose other codes haven't benefited the way they have, yeah. but they can point to you know a great success. Ireland is one of the, the world leaders in this industry, and, and fair enough. But I think if you gave one point five billion to any sporting code, they probably could point to thirty thousand jobs. But anyway, it's the absolute link between this 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 uh, betting levy and this fund that I had. It. Honestly, there's no link. There's no link. Yeah, so I believe that's news to me. But anyway, um, but you know, surely we could we, we could talk about and the FEI report does say this, we could increase the levy and then everybody would benefit, right? But that's that's successful political lobbying. There's a, a great book by Neil Cotter about Dublin, the chaos years. It talks about what happened uh, you know, during the that period when Dublin couldn't win in All Ireland. 
And John Bailey was the was the chair of the county board. And he went to Bertie Hearn, who was a, a again a finance minister who is from Dublin, has interest in the GEA. And he says all the Christian brothers in Dublin are dying. They're getting older and they're dying, and they're not taking teams anymore. And it was the school structure within Dublin that kept the games alive. So okay, what do you need? Says Bertie, and he said, well, we want to have um, uh, GEA development officers between schools and clubs, and. He said, okay, and there was a million pound ring-fenced fund to that end. Fast forward 15 years and Dublin can't be beaten for six years in the, in the championship. That was successful political lobbying. Here's what we want. to We've identified the problem. The problem is that the coaches and schools are getting older. The Christian brothers are the ones who, who drove the game in this, in this city. It's not really a, a GA city. That's a, that, let's accept that it mm. isn't. But we've identified a problem. Here's a potential solution. Go back it. And so he did. When it comes to what well, it has been for the last number of years, which with the way politics has interacted with with soccer in the in the previous era, was politicians were happy to be given a few tickets to go to a few games to get in a few photographs, and there was no vision about where we're going to be in ten, fifteen. How much yeah, of a legacy yeah, issue is there then on that? On that there level? is there is legacy issues because yeah. I think this is why I'm critical of the twenty twenty eight thing. Mm. Right, it's always the shiny thing on the hill. We could have Champions League football here regularly. Oh my God, no, we couldn't. Yes, we could. Yes, we absolutely could. We could certainly have Europa League football here regularly. We could have big-name European teams here regularly if we got our act together. 10, 15 years, we could. But, oh, no, let's, let's throw our lot in with a, with a tournament. And this is the thing about politics. We love to be... We want to be on the pitch in Lanzarote. Road. If I, in it's a very unpolitical view you're taking there, as in, like, what we would expect politicians to say in relation to a bit like that. I mean, uh, yeah, but, like, fine. But let's like, be realistic. I have, to, I, have to, I have to tell the truth. Then, look, mm. if, the, if we if we win the bid, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be at the games, and I'm not going to lie, but, like... Hopefully paying for your tickets. Yeah, you know, I always do, yeah. Uh, journey. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but you have to drive home. But you know what I mean? But yeah. I, think, I think sometimes you can be blinded by uh, the... Um, you know, the, as I say, the the Castle on the Hill stuff and mm-hmm. 2028 and all the rest of it, where I just get frustrated because there's a lot of very, very good stuff happening locally. I mean, you go to any disadvantaged area, my constituency or anywhere around the country, what do they love? Football. I mean, mm-hmm. what did we go, when we went in as politicians to go into Manitoba Prison, what game did we play? Now, Philly McMahon did drag us into play, and that was an interesting experience and... Mm-hmm. The balls ended up. And they're doing a documentary on that. The, yeah, the yeah. balls ended up in the barbed wire. Uh, <laughs> we lost about three footballs. We couldn't image, actually. Yeah, yeah, we're all looking at the barbed wire. <laughs> but, but, but what, was the, what was the instinctive game we played? Mm. Well, it's the universal game. Yeah. But so I do blame politics. And I do blame this sort of the um, uh, the way that the official stage interacted with the game for a long time. You know, the, the Garrison game, it just wasn't. You know, we, we rode in behind what were deemed to be the national sports. GP Brady thrown out of school practically. That kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, big time. And and we turned a blind eye to that. Um, but certainly in the, in the modern era, I think the power of the game, what it achieves at a local level and what it is doing nationally uh, for the image of this country and uh, uh, really hasn't been hasn't been tapped into by the FAI either. Mm. But I think they're turning a corner on it, I do. So so what happens now? I mean, and I think on this, this betting tax issue, the sense I guess from speaking to people is that maybe, you know, privately some people will agree with the FAI stance, but they'll never say so publicly because it's just, again, rural economy. You know, they don't want to be seen to be taking a stand that could be perceived as uh, antagonistic in some ways towards horse racing or grain racing. And again, there's a lot of party politics and constituency politics with that. Um, 
But but what actually happens now? Like, are you getting any sense that a, a message is hitting? Whatever about the, the the finer points of where this money comes from and all that sort of nonsense. Do you get a sense that the message is hitting in any way about football's case, or is there still generally a? I think what was that Leo Varadkar body language? Is that reflective of anything, or is there? I think I think there is. I think there's recognition that look, this game is powerful. The women are going to the World Cup in 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 July and August, and there's going to be a a, a clamour from all of us to be associated with that, particularly if they're successful. All right, but then the, the inevitable question is going to be asked: What is the experience of a young? woman in Ireland playing this game. Six years ago, they went on strike, right? So how have they gone from where they were there to where they are now? And what is, you know, the reality of a player? 10 years ago, you had 70% of the of the women's team were, were based here in Ireland, all right? Now that's completely flipped it, not worse. And in five years' time, I'd expect that, you know, 100% of the team would be playing abroad. Why do we have to accept that? And what is it about the facilities that, okay, you're trying to attract people to go to this game, um, but let's be honest, the spectating facilities at these uh, uh, at these League of Ireland grounds outside of town are just not up to scratch. Now, I know Damien Duff places a lot of emphasis on the coaching uh, the, the coaching training facilities. Yeah, the training grounds with a lot of uh, and both men and, you know, boys and girls, mm-hmm. men and women, like they are, they're all going to be staying in the country for longer and either way. And, and yes, that's absolutely valid, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, St. Hans Park is a classic example of, of, of uh, a park in my constituency. You can't get toilets. All right, so you, you have kids come from all over the city to play your know, games and, you know, the toy facilities aren't great. But at the same time, like, that's his interaction with the game. My interaction with the game is as a fan, mm-hmm. all right? And I go and I go, this this just doesn't inspire, This these surroundings don't inspire me. All right, I don't, but I'm trying to bring a child uh, to these games. Well, it's way you're bringing the child, like, in terms you, of... You want, you want the whale factor, mm-hmm. right? You want to go, this, and this this ground looks like it respects me, Right. Okay, yeah. a lot about this game is about respect, okay? Um, do I feel respected going into this ground as a paying punter? Or do I not? And there's, I mean, I, I always have to, I mean, you know, at the, the forum there, the Shane Roth thing and Magic Health, and I was talking about, you know, breastfeeding facilities for women and, and, and sanitary products that might be free, and they're all looking at me like, where on earth did this guy come from? Even have a toilet. But, but the, yeah, but this is... The, I think if if we had a vision of what we would like the League of Ireland to look like, all right, what we'd like these grounds to look like, well, what is the template of what we're trying to achieve, then politics would go, okay, all right, okay, how are we going to fund it? Okay, I mean, an extra an extra percentage on the on the betting. All right, you think so? Yeah. I think so, but like, so there's there's the infrastructure plan that the FDI are apparently presenting. Well, I'll give you two examples yeah. of what of what Dublin GEA did and what the horse racing fund did. Right, they didn't come in with a big long list of, of a moan and then go, um, you know, politicians are useless, they don't care about us. Um, they, you know, they gave their pitch and they and they 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 saw their solution and they and they asked politics to go. But they also went to people in their constituency as well. Like I mean, this is part of how Ireland works to some degree. Like if you're like Finn Harp is going to get a stadium done in Donegal for years. Mm. You know, it's not your Neck of the woods, but um, I don't have to to go up and sit there at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you know, they haven't. You know, the the appetite isn't there because you know I I don't know like how you how you change it in parts of the country where there's maybe very little political capital in football. But you still need to do it. I want the FEI to understand politics better. I want them to understand the education system better. I want football to breathe through the education system. It doesn't. Gah. If you go into a primary school, right, it just, <laughs> you feel like the gah is just what you're met with, all right? Yeah. Because they're just, it res- the GA respects primary schools. You go to a, a rugby playing secondary school, and I try not to, but if you do, 
<laughs> if you do, I understand <laughs> that, that that is the same energy around it, right? The game respects this school. It wants us to be part of it. All right, you don't get the same energy from from football. They do, you know, they, they have good stats and they notice themselves with the number of people who are involved in sort of five aside competition blitzes and stuff. It's not sustainable week in week out football. That's not part of your life. Why isn't a transition year student doing football five days a week? Stephen Elliott does this, and in, in Sunderland he's trying to bring it to Dublin. His 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 yeah, the Trevor Covers do it, but that's the, right. Okay, the, but it's patchy. Yeah. It's patchy. It's not like a national no. plan. Like, 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 I suppose with respect to onto the FEI, just uh, mm-hmm. like. As dance has been so scattered in the sense of like you've a winter season, you've a summer season, you've no obvious link between like say my local club Shivan Rovers and the League of Ireland for years. It's That's all it's all over the shop. That's so f- in fairness to the FEI, like and it's a new FEI, which in my view is more or less trying its best. Like it, it's hard to bring all those sectors together as well in a relatively Very short space of time. Very difficult. Like if you if you you look at the guy, it's an absolute period system. Exactly. All right, permanent system. If yeah. you take you take. Um, you take soccer, I mean, there's any amount of leagues, any amount of overlapping leagues, any amount of people who don't... And factions as well. Like, yeah, they don't want to give up their position. Mm. I think what they need is, what is the ethic? What is the movement here? What is the mission? What are we all trying to achieve? All right? I think we have to challenge your, uh, your average Irish fan as well about, look, it's hard for me, you know, to criticise people who want to spend all their money following Liverpool or Manchester United. But there's a direct link between that and the success of the senior team. Well, yeah, just the other thing the, the, as well, the, the, the academy system where right. um, one of the bizarre kind of good legacies of the old FEI, to my view, has been the underage leagues, which yeah. is, I think could only really have happened in a dictatorial system because it was so complex, but it was bulldozed through. Now we have all these young kids, their parents, their friends necessarily involved in a, in a League of Ireland team or emotionally involved um but if those academies could be funded, surely that could create so many jobs. And then there could be a link to the local football teams who want their players to progress to the League of Ireland team. And you couldn't... It's it's, it's ultimately industry. Horse racing says it's an industry. Well, is there isn't a football industry, industry in this yeah, country. Yeah, that's the interesting language, right? So you talk about the horse racing and they say, well, you know, it's an industry. Mm. It's not a sport. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, then can we just lobby for horse racing to be taken out of the sports news then from there? Yeah. And, and that they won't get the same slice of coverage? It is a sport. Nationwide. Right. So yeah. if we talk about the football being an industry and that people can have careers in this thing, like the football, I mean, people think, after look, it's, 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 it's kind of, you know, you're, it's an interest. Like, it's like saying poetry is an interest or, or music is an, you know what I mean? These things, people, it's so important to people's lives. They think about it all the time. It's the first thing they want to do when they have a bit of spare time is go to a match or think about a match or inter- interact with people, mm. you know, in a conversation about the game. It's, it, it isolates kind of the 20 biggest moments of your life. A, a high proportion of them will be... That was the other one. <laughs> I mean, will be so, so <laughs> magical. Go Or, like, and you know, sport is really about misery and then just, you know, uh, that, that one, one, one nugget of joy <laughs> every 10 years that makes you go, well, that was worth it. But, like, so so I think I'm trying... Don't you the trap for Shelburne Park and uh, rather than having a boss, to be fair. Life is really about misery. What I'm trying to do politically, really, is to elevate the conversation about football. It's not something we've just thrown ourselves into a photograph every now and again. Mm. This is central it's life's existence all right it's how they identify themselves it's what they get joy out of now we don't we shouldn't uh, diminish that all right by every now and again getting a bit of a political photograph and whatever like i i i feel so strongly about this game because i i, I see what joy it brings to people and i see how it brings people together yeah uh, and I, it frustrates me that sometimes even the fei people closest to it 
don't understand how powerful it is. Oh, well, it's like the the, 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 Irish, the Irish under 15 team, majority black, and we can't celebrate how amazing this is in, in terms of a company. Amazing, like, you and can't buy this stuff. Yeah, it's you, 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 I mean, the, there are people sitting up in the Department of Justice and the Department of Integration, right, who are piles of paper around and going, God, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we integrate these people? Like, I want to anti racism strategies. And, and it's just, they're looking at you, mm. right? And the interesting thing there is, like, I was minister for, for new communities for a while, and we discovered that. The Eastern European communities, they place a huge amount of emphasis on their own schools at the weekend, right? So this is Ireland-Poland game in, in, in 2015. We had a whole festival around it. And we discovered that the priority for your Polish family or your Lithuanian family or your Latvian family is actually the Polish or Latvian or Lithuanian school they have at the weekend. Because instinctively, they think they're going home. So they focus oh, on that, yeah. language skills and, and, and family connection. And they don't really engage with the local uh, football clubs as much. That's why there aren't as many in the international, I would suggest, in those underage groups from Eastern European backgrounds as there are from African backgrounds. Because if you're from an African family, you're here, you're rooted, mm. this is where you feel you're going to be for a long time. But it's thinking about that and how to interact with those communities is really where the future lies. Uh, th this might be a stupid question, but if the next government is more sort of, say, left-leaning and may or may not involve Labour, is that better for football? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what a question. Um, <laughs> no, I, take, I want to take the party politics out of this, right? Because I think there's good people in every party. And there's good people who can see about the power of sport, yeah? And I don't think this belongs to a political party. I think it belongs to uh, people who are serious about community, about young people, about growth. But I do see, and I, I mean, I do a football history walking tour. I've uh, been on it, actually. You and yeah, Gary Cook, yeah, yeah, fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Guy Cox's the most ripening person I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bit of balance there. Yeah. when it comes to cyclists, but... Um, <laughs> And it's through the little museum. <laughs> you know, that story of Johnny got mowed down by Gary Cook. <laughs> Gary was cycling for some reason. <laughs> uh, he'll hate me saying it. But anyway, it's, it's on the little museum. He wants to go on and, and, and book uh, for the next tour. But uh, we, we just investigate that relationship that this game has had with Ireland and how it's been a very difficult relationship. The church trying to close down games, players going over to England, uh, the this, this struggle for Irishness. The fact there's a bunch of IRA men who play football got banned from the, from the GEA for not being Irish mm. you know really interesting characters um, but through it all I am really fascinated by these people who, who wore the green internationally but were despised by their by the official Ireland you know um, and, and yet still we have that legacy that we're trying to break through uh, but what has made us all happier through our lives what do we kind of reminisce about it is Italian 90, it is USA 94, it is 2004. I watched that godforsaken Saipan. Oh, is that a Saipan documentary on this? Yeah, yeah, like, oh, no, and I wa then I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I I'm clearly not over this. I clearly have all this trauma inside me. But so I think what I'm trying to do here, uh, and a lot of us in politics are trying to do, and you, you've asked a straight question. I think things move in politics when everybody from every party sees, sees the, uh, sees what, hopefully we're nearly there and what you're saying, you know what I mean? Mm. Because if it comes to kind of a, kind of a, a left-right or a particular party or identify with it, then other parties can walk away from it. Yeah, I, I think those John Delaney or this committee hearings were beneficial as much as, I mean, the legacy of the Delaney era is horrendous, but that was the first time for me and I mean, look, I sometimes was very cynical about like the, the political world. Was, you know, everyone, everyone at that time wanted the soundbite for the 6-1 News, you know, with John Delaney. That's what Rock's committees are for. Yeah, it's like, you know, Imelda Munster got the money shot at the first one. Like, she, she won that, you know, mm. with, with her line, I'm scared of fear or whatever it was. And then it's like, you know, it's, it's someone else at another time. Um, but then like the time Shane Ross came in and casually was asked, that could be the end what, of what happens if the League of Ireland, I mean, I suppose it could be, be gone mm. you know 
And it was a flipping thing. It was thing. telling. It was a flipping thing, but actually, suddenly a lot of people got energized by it. Well, that, I think that, that actually seemed, and now people, and this is very cynical of the word, people now realize there's a bit of uh, currency. I know you, you've been doing it for a long time and talking about it for a long time, so I'm not talking about you, but you see other politicians probably now know that it's a, throwing a reference to the League of Ireland in a press release isn't as bad as it used to be. You know, there's, yeah. there's something there. It's, yeah, but I mean, I was in the Shannon for four years and we had two outside speakers, right? One of them was Nicola Sturgeon, the other was the president of GM. And the president of GA stood up and said, we ain't, we, we ain't sharing none of our shit when anybody's excuse my language, right? I thought, oh. <laughs> okay, right, we all stood up for five minutes and gave her, oh, sure, like, I'm a temporary mouse, not like me to agree with the continue. And, oh. and it was like, wow, the most sycophantic sort of, um, you know, a debate ever. But that's the power they have. But then again, what can they point to? They can point to Crow Park, they can point to Park at Creeve, they can park to, uh, point to uh, excellent facilities around the country. And as a parent... If you got young kids, I mean, I got fat friends of mine who are rugby people or soccer people, and there's a, there's a sense of sort of my child is going to be cared for in this GA environment because mm. they understand it, they understand children, they understand development, and that sense of care, I think, that with what the FEI and the football community need to understand better, right? Because th- there is an element of that, that 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 they're just cared for better, and that's more backable as a as a politician. I I think in true to what you were saying as well, um we're all we're all in a rush because Dan has to play his game at, at one o'clock. Football he's is he's wearing shorts, ladies and gentlemen. Football is universal. Um no it's Johnny to be there. <laughs> I, I do yeah play football. Yeah, he just uh, he just does things differently. Uh, J- Johnny Johnny could walk down the street in there in those shorts in fairness and not be stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's sure, that's a compliment. Um, I think we thought we've we've happened on the marketing slogan down the league of it's, it's not as bad as it was. I think uh, you yeah, they did have one. It's not as bad as you think. think yeah, once they Kentucky think, chicken yeah, or whatever. Was, really, um, I mean, I'm going, I'm going thirty years, and when I started going like early nineties, everybody was older than me, and everybody was talking about the past. It's so young now. Now it's everybody is younger than me, and everybody's talking about the future. Mm, that's uh, you know. That's actually not a bad there, slogan. There's your slogan. You can make it as a politician, Aon. There's no one else we got. Yeah, this week's fixtures. Oh, people can find them on FBI Connect. People know the fixtures, Johnny. Go to the app. You know. Yeah, the live, so, live game's going to be fast. Game's on this week. Shout out to looking forward to that. Um, and this week's quiz question. So, the Rascals Brewery uh, tour last week, we had a question. Uh, let's see if Aon gets this. Uh, the two current League of Ireland clubs that were in the first incarnation of the League of Ireland in 1921. I mean, come on, Mr. Walk in History Tour. The two current League of Ireland clubs who were in the first... You can't ever, answer as well, because... The first it, ever yeah. League of Ireland season. Yeah, okay, you want to ask the question? Yeah. But uh, is this not... Oh, this is... This is last week. Sorry, exactly. Sorry, yeah. I'm having a very brief... Sorry, yeah. Ash- Put him on the Paddy spot. Ashmore is the winner of the Rascals Tour. Congrats, Shelburne. Shelburne definitely won. Shelburne won, yeah. Probably St. James's Cave, is it? No, no, with the current clubs. Bowls, oh, sorry. Bowls and Shells. Bowls so and Bowls and Shells. Yeah. So like, yeah. the two, I thought Athlone Town might have been in the mix, mm-hmm. but then the whole early history of Irish football is... They had, the, the yeah. Shells called the, the original meeting for yeah. the establishment of the FBI. So mm-hmm. it was Bowls and Shells, we're, we're in the first one, and they're, they're still there today. They also had a riot in, around the time of 1913 lockout. Oh. Nah, there we go. Huh? There you go. Um, is that Morgan History Tour still going? Yeah, and there was actually two scabs. That's where the rat row was on. And uh, apparently, um, repeatedly, Jim Larkin said there was one from each club. That's why there was a riot at the game. But both of them apparently came from Bose, which doesn't really fit with our new woke image. But uh, <laughs> 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 yes, go to the li- little uh, museum of Dublin and uh, a website, littlemuseum.e, and uh, you get the f- football history. Walk. I think we did it during lockdown. It was really enjoyable. It was one of these things you could actually do. With, like, not, you didn't reveal yourself, Johnny. You were very, you were undercover, weren't you? Yeah, I suppose just talking to Gary. But um, <laughs> 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 this week's question, uh, it's got 1990s shells and pats 
theme, can people name the player who scored in an FEI Cup final for St. Patrick's Athletic against Shelburne in one season and then the next season they scored for Shelburne in an FEI Cup final. So he now rather than they. He, yeah, he, sorry. Back-to-back FEI Cup final goals, one for Shells, one for Pants. Banger of a question, that. So I uh, get your answers in as usual to Eloy Central Pod, Twitter and Instagram and I think we're done. I can't thank you enough for coming in. And Thanks. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe football is getting there in terms of uh, yeah, putting itself forward in the right way. Uh, we were in association with Future Ticketing, Collar and Cuff and Rascals Brewery and yeah, we'll be back next week. <laughs>